the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Yeah, she already knows where we're going then. Uh, there's a dude, he has a plane crash, he's on a FedEx jet, and he washes up on a deserted island out in the middle of the Pacific somewhere, and uh, the only thing he has is clothes on his back and a few FedEx packages that wash up, he opens up a few of them, and one of them's got a volleyball in it. Well, he don't think nothing to it until about five years later, so he's been on this island by himself, and he starts talking to this volleyball, and it becomes his companion, and a series, you know, of time his mind plays out a little bit, you know, just the loneliness of being there. And, and, and Wilson, as he's called the volleyball, because I guess because it's made by Wilson, uh, becomes his good friend. And, and here's where they part ways, and just in time for the light man to return from being the offering man, we're going to watch this short clip, and, and we'll discuss why afterwards. Wilson has fallen off the raft. Wilson! Wilson! this tear on my eye. If you put that violin music, you can just about cry about everything. There's a, there's a guy leaving his volleyball out in the 
ocean and we're going to cry over it. But why did I show this clip? I don't know. Of course, you know I do know. And we'll discuss that later. Meanwhile, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Some things never change, do they? Angie always told me he never knew when to quit. (laughs) That's another movie clip. All right, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. You've all heard this. You Bible scholars, you, you could be up here preaching this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on a bedrock. I looked up the term bedrock and it means a solid foundation underneath the soil. It's it's a firm foundation. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. So you have two kind of people. You have the wise and you have the foolish. Like a person who builds a house on the sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So do you want your house to stand or do you want it to crash? You want to be wise or you want to be foolish? You know, as a pastor, I'm all the time talking to people. Many times I run across, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people in today's society, it's really prevalent that people say, well, I love God, but I don't believe in the church. I'm not going to church. They've been, been hurt by churches and, and so on. Had a guy I was talking to recently. He said this exact thing. He said, I haven't given up on God, but I've given up on the church, the Bible, and organized religion. He said, I believe God is bigger than all those things. Well, is God bigger than all those things? Well, God's infinite. He is bigger than those things. I'm sure if we were to try to plumb the depths of God, we could never do so. He's bigger than anything that we could ever fully discover. He's God. But in much the same way, there's more to me than just being a family man and a humble follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, there's, I'm, I'm multi-leveled too. I mean, there's, I'm like an onion. You know, you can peel me back one layer at a time. There's a lot of things about me. But without understanding those basic things about me, how are you going to make correct assumptions about the rest? I mean, what we see in the Bible, the Word of God, and when we look in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ and what we see about Him, and as we experience the Lord Jesus, this is how God chose to reveal His character. This is what he wanted us to know. And so if we just quickly dismiss the Bible, organized religion, those kind of things of God, then how can you really say that you know 
God at all. It was Jesus who said, I will build my church. I mean, it's His idea. It's His doing. He's going to marry us. We are His bride. He is the groom. When we get to heaven, we are called the bride of Christ. And in, in the same way that you consummate a marriage on the earth, we're going to be so in Christ Jesus that, that He uses marriage as the, as the way to describe how close we're going to be with God when we get to heaven. So if we, if we dismiss what's important to God, well, yeah, I know you said those things in the Bible, but I believe you're bigger than that, God. I just want to, I want you, I want you to be my buffet, God. I want to pick and choose what I want to believe about you, what, what characteristics. We can create our own God. If we dismiss the things that are important to him, the bedrock of what excites him and what he's doing, can we really say that we really know him? If you didn't know that I love the Lord and that I love my family and that I was a pastor, you say, well, I, I see you as a man, but I don't see you as all those other things. Now, you know, I don't respect your family. I don't respect what you do and all that. How much of a relationship can we have if you're dismissing the things that are most important to me? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest about it. Out of all the people that I've seen that say they don't need the church, it's Squirrelyville. <laughs> it is a recipe for Squirrelyville. They may for a little while be able to put up pretenses of Christianity, but pretty soon they will be saying that God is bigger than the Bible, bigger than Jesus' church. And can you talk about bad about God's bride like that and think you're going to have perfect fellowship with him the way you ought? Let me ask you a question. Is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ complex? Is it easy enough for a child to understand? I mean, you, you tell a little kid, you do bad things, right? He goes, uh-huh. You know that's wrong, right? Uh-huh. You know you got to get a whooping if you do wrong, huh? Do you know Jesus took your whooping? Uh, no. <laughs> do you know that you don't have to get a whooping in eternity because Jesus paid for your whooping on the cross and that you can be forgiven? See, a child can understand that. So is the gospel complex? Or is it simplistic? I say both. It's all happening at the same time. We know that God can speak right over our heads. He could talk a language that, that's why he had to get men to write down the Bible. Because <laughs> if he were to say it in his language, we probably wouldn't understand a word he was saying. It'd be right over our heads. And you know, you look at the Bible and I look at the Bible and I see things I just don't understand yet. But there is enough surface stuff that I can't understand. And God's not going to give us everything all at once because we would be overwhelmed. 
there's enough surface stuff that we can begin to work on because it ain't about what you see, it's about what you do with what you see. It's about what you do with what you understand. He starts with simple foundational truths that even a child can understand. He's saying, let's start there, and from there we'll have a foundation upon which every other revelation can be understood. God chooses to do that, and I'll prove it. Go to Isaiah 28. Verse 9, the prophet Isaiah says in verse 9, Whom shall he teach knowledge? You want to be smart about the things of God? You want to have all these heavy revies, new revelation? Well, he's going to tell you how. Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? What is doctrine? The ways of Christ. The ways of God. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. What is he saying? When you were a baby, you grew up on the milk, right? As you grew from the milk, you got a little bigger. You wanted the, the mushy food. You ate the mushy food. Till you got old enough to go to McDonald's. You went and got your Happy Meal. And there was a graduation ceremony to new, more exciting things. But you had to start with the milk. Now, he who wants knowledge has to, and wants to understand doctrine has to first be weaned from the milk. You don't skip the milk and go to the ribeye. Verse 10, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. That's God's way. Foundation, next layer, next layer. Line upon line. You do not skip. How many of you, when you were six years old, said, I don't want to go to first grade. Just put me in college. John James. You raise your hand. I don't know if you even graduated uh, kindergarten. <laughs> they didn't have kindergarten back in the, in the 1800s, did they? <laughs> Look, none of us are ever going to understand all God's wisdom on this side of heaven. Just be okay with that, okay? But learn how you get to the next level. That's what we need to be working on. We need to be starting where we're at and building line upon line, one understanding, one precept upon the next precept. And as we do those, more will be revealed. The Apostle Paul, he tells us there's more. In 2 Corinthians 12, 4, he says he was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. How do you express something if you can't do it in words? Things no human is allowed to tell. Somebody went to heaven, they saw things that he wouldn't, can't even come back here and tell. It's, so, it's going to be so wonderful. 
There are things coming. One day when we see him, we'll be like him, and we'll, we'll have full knowledge. Knowledge will pass away, it said. We won't have a need for knowledge. So work line upon line. Am I saying that you don't want to go deep in the things of God? If I, if I give that impression tonight, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for an oak tree to grow tall, it must first be rooted deep. Be rooted in the ground. And so with that, our new series that we're starting on our next level Wednesday night classes that you happen to be attending the first one of is called Rooted. Rooted. R-O-O-T-E-D. Rooted. Tonight's message in particular is called The Launching Pad. Since it's the first message, I thought that was pretty appropriate. Y'all don't mind if I'm sitting down, do you? I thought my knee was fixing to cramp up here. Okay, uh, Paul talks about in, the, in his journey through the book of Acts, he goes through this one town called Athens. And he is just marveling. Everywhere he goes, there's an idol to some god he's never heard of. They've got God upon gods. They've got God of the toilet paper. They've got God of the garbage can. They've got a God for everything. When he got through looking at all the gods, he finally come to this one little old idol that said, to the unknown God, just in case they forgot one. They just covered it all. To the one that we don't know, we don't want you to feel slighted. Well, in Acts 17, verse 21, it picks up and says, For all the Athenians and strangers which were there, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell of the, or to hear of some new thing. So they were philosophers. Every man considered himself a philosopher. And if you look on Facebook, you can see it's the same today. Everybody's got their opinion. Everybody's got their idea about how the life should be and how it should work. So they spent all their time doing nothing but talking about the newest thing going on. Sounds just like social media to me. Then Paul stood up in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. For as I passed by, I beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. He said, All them other ones you got are not gods at all. The only thing you got right was the one to the unknown God, and, and he can be known to you, but obviously he isn't. And let me declare him unto you. It is our God, the God that made heaven and the earth. And he sent his son, and he goes on to tell them the simplistic gospel. And guess what? They were like, oh, this guy's got a new Revy. He's got a new revelation. He's got a new God. Let's hear about it. They wanted to hear about the new God. So how did this Apostle Paul, can you imagine how brilliant this man was? He was a Pharisee, which they say that those guys probably memorized the first five books of the Torah. Memorized it. That, that would be Genesis, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus, and all that. Memorized it. Every line. This guy's exceptionally intelligent. Of course, then he has an encounter with Jesus. So he's seen Jesus, at least 
He had an encounter with Jesus. He's been given revelation to the point that God has to give him a thorn in the flesh just to keep him humble for all the things he's seen. He writes half the New Testament by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. This guy's a little bit smarter than Pastor Guy. I'm sure if he were here, he would be able to tell you some things that's almost not lawful to speak here on the earth. But how did this Apostle Paul, the writer of the Holy Scriptures, how did he preach Jesus? Well, I'll tell you. Turn to 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians 2. I think, as we're turning there, I, th- I think I'm starting to see the problem with mankind. It's not that you want to know more. It's that it's our pride that thinks we need to know something new and exciting. First Corinthians 2, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, When I first came to you, He's talking about the first time. It's not that he didn't get heavier later. Dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you that God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I'd forget everything else except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I'm just going to stay. I'm going to start you off with the foundation. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using... Clever and persuasive sweet speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. He's saying all you need is a little bit. Just the basic, simple gospel message will rock your world for all eternity. If we could just grasp Jesus and Him crucified. I didn't come into you with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in power and the demonstration of the Spirit. See, there's power in the Word of God. It doesn't take deep things of God to have the power. The power is right there on the surface. The power to change your life. Jesus said, the works I do, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. I'm sending my Word to you. I'm sending my Spirit to you. It's able to change you from a mere mortal into a a new creation. A child of God. In 1 Corinthians 3.10, he says, Because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. See, he's talking about foundations. This is the way Paul preaches now. When he goes to these churches, he starts off on, on, on the foundation. Which one of you... It's like that foolish builder is going to start off with the two-by-fours and not lay a foundation. Going to put the roof on first. (laughs) Because of God's grace to me, I laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whatever is built on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So any teaching that you ever hear must be on a foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the pivot point. Jesus is the cornerstone. You're either going to, he's going to be the rock on which you stand or the rock that's going to crush you to powder. What you believe about Jesus, the very first thing you hear in the gospel message 
determines heaven or hell for you. Determines whether you receive His Spirit and live with Him forever or you don't and you live apart from Him in hell forever. Power of God is in the very simple message that a child can understand. Why does a rocket lift off from a launch pad? Why does, you know, they have a big concrete pad down at the bottom? Why don't they just take it out in a field somewhere and let it take off? There's a lot of thrust coming out of that thing. And if that thrust has nothing to solid to spring off of, I mean, if you put it on a, in a field somewhere and that thrust came out, it'd just make a big crater, right? And it, it wouldn't push up, it would push down. You need a solid foundation. Why would it be a good time to whoop me right now? Some of you who've been wanting to whoop me for years, this is your opportunity. Because if I were to get up right now and try to throw a punch without being able to put my right foot down, it would be no solid foundation. It would be all arm punch. They would be enough to take care of most of you, but... <laughs> so I wouldn't advise it. No. <laughs> yeah, y'all yeah, would be bobbing and weaving, wouldn't you? But anyway. Say human reasoning. It sounds like something... That could be a good thing. But in many ways, human reasoning can be an enemy of faith. A big enemy of faith. How many times did God tell you to do something, and just because God said it, you were going to do it, but somebody else's or your own, you started reasoning it in your mind, and said, well, that don't sound right. Well, I don't think God really wanted me to do that. Isn't that what Adam and Eve did? Did God really say? You start reasoning. Talk you out of your faith. Today, most people just want to launch off with their mouth about God. They have no more foundation under them than what they learned on the History Channel. You know what I mean? You ever seen those History Channel shows about God? <laughs> you watch one of those, you'll be speculating. Well, you know, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He just swooned. I saw it on the History Channel. He just swooned. He didn't really die. I said, what does he mean he swooned? He just played dead. He wasn't really dead at all. They, just, they took him down off the cross like he's dead. He went off and married Mary Magdalene. Had children. His great-granddaddy works down there at the at Taco Bell. You know? <laughs> I'm not kidding. They'll say, Jesus was an extraterrestrial. <laughs> Have you watched some of these shows? Where are you getting your theology? They got his bones overstored at the Smithsonian. God wants you to go deeper, but not at the expense of common sense. Amen. Not with 
out first forming a firm foundation. Some of us just like those little toothless babies trying to gnaw on a ribeye. Ain't getting no nutrition. Watching the History Channel. Human reasoning or perspective can be dangerous to our faith. The Word of God is actually what we need. It, on the other hand, brings life. True life. Has the power. There's power in the Word. There's life. There's truth. It's tested, tried, and true. And His words are spirit. They're spiritual. And they go much deeper than human reasoning ever could. You can stand on God's Word where you might or might can't stand on your Word. And you certainly can't stand on it in eternal matters. But you can on the Word of God. Our natural mind wants to go by what it can taste, smell, see, and touch and use our physical senses. It can't even grasp all the dimensions of this spiritual world in which we live. The natural mind can't. The Bible says that the Bible itself, the Word of God, is foolishness to the unbeliever. Why? Because all he has is his natural mind. He can't make heads or tails of it. But when you get... When you become a believer, He sends His Spirit into you. Now, spiritual things can be spiritually understood. So then, the Word of God becomes alive unto you. See, to the natural man, Jesus spoke parables. And they're like, okay. But He would explain them to His disciples. Those believers. Those who wanted to put it into action He would make sure that they knew how to do it. But those who just wanted to hear a heavy revy, he just told them enough to string them along until they could come to the end of themselves. And guess what? When you get to heaven, you're not going to be judged by what you think you know. You're going to be judged by what you did with what was in the Bible. See, those words... Or how we're all going to be judged. First of all, did you trust in the central theme of the Bible, Jesus Christ? Is He Lord or not? And if you want to go, you know, if you want to stay in the Old Testament and be judged according to your works, according to the law, then they can do that too. Oh Lord, why would you want to do that? Turn to Romans 1. You don't have to do that, my friend. You can receive Jesus Christ. Stop all that human reasoning. Aren't you glad that the world isn't based on your mind, your little pea brain? I am certainly glad that it ain't based on mine. I am glad that His Word carries more weight than mine. I'm glad I don't have to know it all. Romans 1.17 For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's trust in the Word of God. That's how we live. It's not talking about faith in your own thoughts, but faith in this right here. Faith in every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, God gets mad when you look at this book and say it ain't true. Isn't that what it's saying right there? Who hold his truth in unrighteousness, saying that this ain't right? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because of that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations. Vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The more you exalt yourself over the word of God, the more you become vain in your imaginations and you become a fool. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So that's the kind of faith we're talking about. Faith in the Word of God. That's the faith that will move mountains. That's the faith, the saving faith. You see, the Word of God is how He chose to reveal Himself. So when you say that God is bigger than the Bible, He is... but he has revealed himself in the Bible. So where are you getting your information about God? Are you just so super spiritually superior to us mere mortals that you have a separate connection to God? <sighs> I wouldn't want it. I, would like, I just want to stay with what I know. Most speculation on things that we're just making up about God. And the most of the knowledge that people claim to have is nothing but the kind of knowledge that puffs up and makes them prideful. You know, it says in what, 1 Corinthians 8, that knowledge puffeth up, but love edifies. It puffs us up, and those vain imaginations lead us down a path of foolishness. How many want to go down that path? We're living in a time where many are going to come and say, I am the Christ, follow me. Deceive many. There'll be strong delusions in the end times. There'll be false signs and wonders. Many will be deceived. It says even some of the elect, if it were possible, would believe in the lying signs and wonders that are going on in the world today. Be confused. It's probably because they're double-minded in the first place. They're riding the fence about God. They're leaving an option open that there may be other truths out there. That God's Word says this, but, you know, that really doesn't fit the way I want to live. And so this other guy has this interpretation that kind of makes it seem all right to me, but you know, <laughs> he's just making that up. You know, when Jesus came, he said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. Why is that? Because he's the image of the invisible God. Col Colossians 1.15 He is the 
image of the invisible God. When you see Jesus, you have seen the Father. You want to know what God is really like. He revealed himself in the Word of God, and he revealed himself in Jesus, the Word of God. I'm throwing things all over here. We'll be all right. You want to know more about God? Spend more time in the Word and spend more time with Jesus. You need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. You need to, to read and humble yourself and ask the Holy Spirit, the gentle teacher, to give you the, those heavy revies that you think you need to know. But be prepared to do what you see in there. Because that's how winning is done. That's how you get her done. You do the Word of God. If, you got, if you've heard a lot of Word of God and you hadn't done it yet, well, start there. You don't need any new stuff right now. Start with the basics. And that's where we're going to start in this series. We're just going to begin to... And don't you sit there and think, well, I, oh, I've heard all of that stuff. I'm going to miss the next three months of Wednesdays. <laughs> Are you kidding me? God is going to give us some exciting, refreshing ways to look at things. I know He does. He always does. It is going to be the best time, foundational stuff that's going to grow us as a church that we need desperately. We're going to get back to remembering some things. So don't be thinking like that. My last comment, or at least my last section of comments. Let Wilson go. Let Wilson go. Tom Hanks had gone mad out there on the island by himself. He was just, he was losing it mentally. And Wilson just became a figment of his vain imagination. It was a way for him to cope. He, he had wrong thinking. He had strong delusion. And he put his blood on that, that volleyball, painted a face on it. And he said, this will help me. Not once on the island did I see him ever cry out to God. Struck me as strange because just about anybody I know that's struck, you know, on a desert island by themselves is going to wake up, even if they don't believe in God, say, okay, God, <laughs> you got my attention. Help. But never in this movie did I see him ever reach out to God. He reached out to strong delusion, a painted face of human reasoning. Now, when he went to be saved, he built a raft. And then old Wilson fell off the raft and began to float away. What would have happened to him if he'd have let go of that rope for good and decided those vain, that vain imagination Wilson was more important than home base? You see, that raft was the only foundation he had in that big old ocean. That was the only foundation, and this is your only foundation in this big old world that we call earth. Don't you let go of that rope. And I wouldn't advise getting off of the, the foundation no more than you have to. Don't let go of that rope and chase off 
after some strong delusion that the world's trying to send your way. Don't listen to the lies of the world. Know what you believe so that you can stand strong. Those who endure to the end, the same shall be saved. What does that mean? I don't know, but it don't sound good to those who ain't enduring to the end. Would he have been rescued? Would he have been saved? If he'd have swum off after the vain imaginations? No. I don't believe so. We'll end with this. Colossians 2.6 And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. It's not a ticket to heaven thing and my duty's done. You've received Him as Lord. Now it's your duty. You're blood bought. You're paid for with a heavy price. You don't belong to yourself. And your duty is to follow Him. He said, come follow me. Let your roots grow down into Him. Where are you planted? And let your lives be built on Him. He is the foundation. It says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.